You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by me, Oliver Manalise. If you are looking for a sense of clarity, direction, and confidence in your ability to serve, lead, and make an impact, I offer complimentary 30 to 60 minute sessions. Go to olivermanalise.com to book yours today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Oliver Manalise Show. I am your host, Oliver Manalise. If this is the first time you're tuning in, thank you for joining us. Here we get a chance to talk to inspiring leaders and high performers like authors, coaches, entrepreneurs, you name it. And together we get a look at the insights that help them break through life's many adversities. Today, I'm excited to share with you my conversation with Dave Keenest. You can find him at davekeenest.com. Last name is spelt K-E-H-N-A-S-T. Dave's actually a friend and colleague of mine. We've both been trained and mentored by the same coach, the powerful Hans Phillips. Go check out my episode with him, episode number three. If you don't know Dave, he is the host of two podcasts. The first one, Addiction to Redemption. He goes really deep into the stories uh, from his life of going from addicted to drugs and going to treatment centers and rehab and then transforming his entire life to do what he does now, which is transformational life and business coaching. The other podcast is called Fascinating Talks. And this is where he he gets to speak with fascinating human beings like leaders, coaches, entrepreneurs, and goes through the challenges and stories of, of theirs. And uh, I've actually learned a ton from Dave over the years, and he's supported me in my journey in many, many ways. In our conversation today, we talk about the business of coaching. What is transformation? What it was like for him to move from Chicago to California, Kundalini Yoga, and so much more. As always, links and resources for each episode is available at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. And if you get value from the show, please, 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 the best way to support us is to share this with somebody that you care about. Write a five-star review on iTunes, and this helps us get more visibility for the show, as well as help us attract even more amazing guests. All right, guys, I present to you my conversation with Dave Keenest. All right, I am here with my man, my friend, my colleague, Dave Keenest. And if you don't know who Dave Keenest is, he is a business and personal coach. He is somebody who is trained under the same uh, mentor as I have, Hans Phillips. He is one of the amazing interviews that I have on my podcast. He is also the host of Addiction and Redemption, where he dives really deep into some of the intense, gory, dramatic stories of his of his past. And I, I think it's something that everyone really needs to get a taste of, but also he has fascinating talks. His second podcast where he gets to interview some really fascinating and inspirational, impactful human beings. So if you haven't had a chance to to uh, meet Dave via his podcast or see him online and see him in action, I suggest you do so. Dave, man, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Oliver. Thanks for putting up with these circumstances I find myself in the midst of. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Like, there's always these random little things that can chip away at some of our plans, but we got to make it work. Yeah, I could allow these construction workers to ruin my day, or I could just, you know, choose not to let them ruin my day. Either way, I'm going to be a little bit annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's human. But you know, have you I, have you ever heard of when um, 
you're trying to you're trying to meditate and the thing that pisses you off the most is like that that's your work like your work is to that's, be with that thing <laughs> your work is to be with the thing that's showing up when you want it to be quiet and it's not yeah right Absolutely. exactly yeah well I, I would love to hear about um because so the the show that i that i do with my guests I'm really interested in people's uh, adversities the, that's behind their triumphs and the you know the challenges behind all of their breakthroughs because I feel like when we look at human beings in, in that lens it, it makes it almost possible for us to do the same thing because when we put people up on a pedestal we sometimes forget that they're they're just human beings just like us their life might look perfect from the outside in they're, they could be very successful but uh, like any other human being, we all have have challenges. Um, so I would love to maybe get a little bit about maybe some defining moments of your life, but also just share with us some of the recent breakthroughs that you've had so people can get some context as to where you are now because you've had some really, really amazing changes that have, that have happened. Well, I mean, the, the, most, the, 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 the most recent transformational change was my move from Chicago to California. And um, yeah, I live in Southern California now in a town called Encinitas, which is in the north county of San Diego. It's north San Diego County. So it's San Diego, but not really. It's a little bit outside of San Diego, technically. It's not in the city. And that was my, um, that was my most recent transformation was my move from Chicago, where I lived for nine years. I lived in this beautiful building on, the, on a private beach in Lake Michigan, and I loved my neighbors, and I loved my life there. Um, but some, some things went down and I just realized it was time for a change and I ended up moving here to California and the, the process of moving is just fundamentally transformational in and of itself. It just comes with so many thoughts and feelings and emotions and sadness and joy and it's just, um, and, and things that you need to figure out and culture shock slash transformation and adjusting with, you know, figuring out the highways and the traffic times. And I didn't drive for 10 years because uh, I rode a bicycle through the city of Chicago um, all year round. I didn't need a car. And so adjusting to car life and just all kinds of different things pop up, you know, and it's what you discover about yourself in going through something like that, that can't be taken away. And that's, you know, for me, transformation, it's about, creating something in a person or creating something, creating an outcome in your life that results in something being hardwired into who you are that then can't be taken away. So it's like the Wizard of Oz. Like I could click my heels and go back to Chicago, but I'm a completely different person returning to Chicago as a result of having taken this journey, which is, you know, the, the, the hero's journey. Yeah. Which is actually the name. Go on. How has some of the experiences that you've had uh, working on yourself, like doing the personal growth work, the personal transformations, and supporting other people to do the same, like how has that played a role in how you navigated the waters of uprooting yourself from one place to another place, like literally? Well, you have to like – I don't know. I mean I just got – I've been hired – I just had a, client, a coach, actually, a colleague of mine hire me to be her coach because she saw me and, you know, my, I'm, I'm pretty, to, to put it mildly, I'm active on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my life is on Facebook. You can find out anything you want about me, including whatever. But, um, uh, but, you know, people saw me, people were witness to that transformational process. And then they saw me putting out, you know, these, 
couple of podcasts also, and that's what they wanted. They wanted they want the support in creating their version of what I created. And that's really our job as coaches is to live the work, is to be the transformation that we want to facilitate in others. Because, you know, every time a client comes to me with, with some, some stuff, it's like, well, let me tell you about the time when I moved to California and I didn't have a car and blah, 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 blah. You know, what? And this is the insight I gain. What do you hear for yourself in that? And so it's our, it's our job as, as coaches to, tra- to continually be evolving and continually transforming Right, so as to inspire others to transform themselves. Yeah, I, I, I love what you said there. We got to live it. Yeah, you got to be in the work yourself. You got to be in the transformations yourself, and and be on your your growth edge. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's it's really simple. It's like there's your comfort zone, and there's what's outside of your comfort zone, and that's where possibilities live. But you, and it's what's that? No, I was gonna I was gonna say you. Like because you leaving Chicago, it's a it's kind of a big deal. People don't might not necessarily realize like how important that place was, because that was that was home for a long time and it was home base in in, in more ways than one. Yeah, man. I mean, twenty eight years. I lived in Colorado for twelve years, but I lived for eighteen years in Chicago and then moved back there for eleven years. And you know, I I went through a pretty gnarly battle with addiction in Chicago and got sober in Chicago. And then, right. you know, when you live in when you live in the town or the city that you grew up in since you were five, you'll occasionally run into people you went to kindergarten with, literally, you know, or first grade or second grade, and you know everything about that person that happened between second grade and 12th grade. And they know everything about you, you know, people you went to went through puberty with, you'll like bump into them. It's like, there's that really deep, rich bond and saying goodbye to that. I mean, it's one of the most challenging things I ever did. What, when you look at it now, what would you recommend to people? Cause I, I think the, the challenge of what do I want to do with my life or, who do I want to be in my life? Like those are really noble challenges to, to take on. But also sometimes it's really about where do I want to be? Like where? And it's, it's like moving to a place that, that will cultivate our creativity, nurture our souls and, and have us thrive. Like what would you say to some people who might be in, that, in the midst of that? Well, I mean, I think it, I think it just starts with what do you want? And most people never even stop to ask them, ask themselves what they want. They're sort of like funneled into a, to a life without ever asking themselves really big questions. And you can see it, you know, Chicago is like a blue collar town, right? So there's just like, there's a ton of people that just, who, who I'm friends with, who are just like, you know, they've been carpenters since the day they finished high school and even before that. And there was never really a choice. Right. And then there's also plenty. The, the interesting thing about Chicago is that the blue collar and like the white collar, they're all like, there's a lot of cross, like everybody just kind of hangs out together, at least where I'm from. Right. But then there are people that took like the, you know, like the lawyer routes or whatever, or the, those just the traditional white collar routes. And they just all of a sudden being, you know, I'm 43 years, I'll be 43 in five days. And so it's really interesting because a, a lot of people I encounter who I grow up with or who become my clients are people who are experiencing just what is a textbook existential crisis or a textbook midlife crisis, right? So they're four, you know, 39, 40, 41, 42, 45 years old. They're married. They had some kids. 
and the marriage isn't the thing that they signed up for when they got married because they got married so young and then they had kids and then they never really asked themselves if the kids were the things that they wanted and now their kids have these needs and they lose themselves in the process and you know you see a lot of people going through divorces and having to completely and totally reinvent them their lives or suffer with the life that create they've created by default um without making the changes you know what i'm saying does that make sense or no absolutely i think yeah people are living by default and and i would love to hear because you talk about reinvention what's the role in reinvention in being in just existence because that's kind of what it is right people are yeah man people it's i don't know we call this work like i don't think people understand what coaching really is I think a lot of people that have never worked directly with a coach for an extended period of time and seen a shift in their life, like a real measurable, no bullshit shift. They have no idea what it is we do. You know, they just think that we help people with their problems or are just a, tell me what to do. (laughs) Tell me what to do. And, Oh, I'm just going to sympathize and empathize with everything that you say. And that's really not what we do. You know, we, we, challenge people to become bigger versions of themselves and so we refer to it you know people like you and i refer to it as our work this work and it's our work as human beings to evolve you know and when you get to a point in your life where let's say you know a former client of mine he's messaged me recently he's in the middle of a divorce right and that's like a forced reinvention right or um if you want to quit your job and create that business that you've been thinking about creating since you were 15 years old because you love, love making widgets and you always thought about your having your own widget making business and you're 45 and, and you or 35 or whatever and you finally want to do it the process of transitioning out of that cushy comfy predictable life that you've had for so long into this kind of risk oriented life where real possibility lives that's that that requires it's not so much about the the business or the the relationship that you're going to create or the relationship that you're going to end in service of creating the relationship that you want to create. It's about who you need to be in the process. You know, it's it's all all this work happens inside of us ultimately. It's totally subjective. You know what I mean? Explain and so the who you need to be part. Yeah, like if if you want to you know, you and I are both ontological coaches. I love the word ontological. It's like, and what the I've hell actually, are you talking about? <laughs> what, what the hell is ontological? And now my new thing is I'm in this kind of graduate level coaching training program, and we're using the word phenomenological a lot. So yes. it's like, who are you as a phenomenon? You know, what is the phenomenon of, of you? And so without confusing your listeners too much, but ontology is the study of being. So if you're going to quit a job that's been paying you $110,000 a year plus benefits for the last 15 years or whatever longer, and you're going to go out on a limb and create this business, you're going to have to be a certain way. You're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to be, you're going to have to be a way that's totally different from the way you were used to being. Because before you were kind of being, I don't want to say a slave, but you were being kind of like the subservient of the universe. You know, when I worked in my corporate job, I had to, I had to be loyal. I had to be faithful to the company. I had to be there at eight o'clock. I had to, 
I had to not question the moves that the upper management were making, even though I knew that they were kind of slimy. I had to be this company man, and it just it just didn't vibe with me after a while. And certain people can go into those worlds and never leave, and they're fine, and that's perfectly fine. It's it's their life, it's their existence, right? But so often people want more. And if you're going to transition from one experience of what it means to be alive to another experience of what it means to be alive, which is what you and I do, we facilitate, you know, the transformation of one experience of living into another experience of living, like a, a caterpillar into a butterfly. You know, you're going to have to uh, th- think of the reinvention that a caterpillar goes by when it's in the cocoon on its way to becoming a butterfly. You know what I mean? That's like a that's your reinvention. Different thing. Being. Yeah, a caterpillar is different than a butterfly. It's not, and that's why I like uh, transformation because it's different. It's different than change. Right. Right. Can you share? What do you think about that? Well, transformation is something that I mean, for me, transformation is something that cannot be taken away. You know, like um, the spiritual transformation I had when I had a spiritual awakening. You know, in the throes of a horrific addic- addiction in a treatment center in the summer of 2007, I experienced a spiritual transformation. And this thing that I just simply call God, because it's one syllable and most people understand it. You can call it whatever you want, spirit, the universe, higher power, whatever. Um, but this thing came into my life. And I, I went from one experience of what it means to be alive to a completely different experience. I had a complete and total transformation. You know, so I can't, it, it wouldn't, with, with the spiritual awareness, go back. Have, it would be impossible for me to go back to what I used to be. Even if, even if I were to just start using drugs again, like today, and <laughs> just go out and get some drugs and alcohol and fucking party my ass off and like drink myself halfway to death over the course of the next several months. Like I would still be spiritually transformed. Mm. I would still know that that thing is with me. I Whatever. like that distinction. So you, so from your perspective, transformation, uh, a, a big component of it is not being able to go back to the way you were. Like the butterfly can't revert back into the caterpillar. Yeah. The toothpaste right. can't go back into the tube. Exactly. <laughs> you can't un, you, you can't unpickle a cucumber once it's pickled. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like the butterfly could go get drunk and then it's just a drunk butterfly. <laughs> but you can't go back to being a caterpillar. You know what I mean? What, what do you think is the role of pain and suffering in in, oh, trans, in transformation? Well, I mean, I don't know, man. There's there's an amazing movie called Finding Joe about the hero's journey that yeah. I recommend every single one of my clients. I basically require yeah. that they watch it. Yeah. You know, um, and I'd like to say that um, that you can transform without a, a painful catalyst, but I rarely find anyone that that really does. I can't think of any, I can't think you of know, any I, examples. I, I, I personally can't, you know, I was on a, a group call with another couple coaches today in this, um, this African American, total badass African American, uh, coach friend, friend of mine named Linnell Harris. He's just like a stand for the African American community in Chicago. And he's just like a total baller coaches, professional athletes, life coaches, professional athletes. Um, and it's just up to a, a, a bunch of, of amazing stuff. He just actually went to Africa to visit his um, to visit his ancestors, um, where his ancestors are from, and he actually experienced the places where his um, his ancestors were kept as slaves. 
you know? And it's like, he, as a result of, of putting himself into like a, basically a slave dungeon, you know what I mean? It, it was like the painful catalyst that he needed, like to create what was next for him. He had to put himself into that in ancestral agony, you know, and to, and to, to, to experience to, to the greatest extent that he was able to experience without actually having the experience, like what, what he referred to as just the most extreme form of victimization that mm. could ever happen to a people, yes. you know, and that's just, that's where he's now and where he's going. Right. So like when I moved, it was painful, but like there's, there's, there are like deeper, more fundamental challenges. Like existential think. pain. Yeah. Like my, my, my experience with addiction was, I mean, it was just so painful. It was as if the devil and God were fighting back and forth for the fate of my soul and the devil was winning, you know, and it involved me going to jail and then it involved me going to jail again. And then all of a sudden I'm in jail again and I'm in rehab. Oh, now I'm in rehab again. And I'm like lining up for cigarette breaks when they tell me to. And you know what I mean? And it just fucking sucks. Addiction and redemption. Addiction and redemption. I unveil all those stories in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to listen to my podcast, Addiction and Redemption, it's actually called Addiction and Addiction, Awakening to Your Hero's Journey. Oh, the subtitle. Yeah, that's the subtitle, Awakening to Your Hero's Journey. Um, But, I mean, the same can be said. Like, that was just my fundamental battle. Like, my deep, dark night of the soul. That thing that challenged me in a way that nothing ever, I never thought anything could. Mm. And I've said in in the course of that podcast that, like, you know, my I wasn't locked up in Auschwitz. I wasn't fighting a world war or I wasn't in Vietnam. My my circumstances, the scenario that I found myself inside of was not that extreme. It wasn't it wasn't being physically tortured. It wasn't at that to that level. You know what I mean? But it was it was close. You know what I mean? In the sense that I Because it's personal. Like it, it... It's so hard to compare other people's pain, right? Like, oh, that person's in more pain, so mine's, mine's not as yeah, bad. But it's all, like it's what you I have know. to go through, right? It's what you yeah. went through. Yeah. All I, all I know is it, it just hurts so bad. It just hurts so bad to exist. You know, and the same thing happens with people when it they get – to exist. Yeah, no, it just – yeah, it was, like, it was like my soul was bleeding, like just bleeding the life out of me. I just – just existing for a millisecond just was – it was like – fire ants crawling through my veins, you know, and up into my brain and into my eyeballs and coming out, you know, it was just fire. It was like my insides were on fire, Mm. you know, and, and shy of being physically set on fire. I don't know what, there's not much worse, you know, and we all, and, and, and you'll hear the same thing with people who, you know, experience cancer. You know, I have a friend that has, she's had cancer off and on for the last, since I've known her like eight years you know, and the stuff that she's come to discover about the nature of who she is and the nature of life and how she mothers and how she relates to herself and neighbors, it's all built on the foundation of the transformation that was required of her when she went through this this battle that still haunts her. Because you never know when you go into the doctor for those follow-up tests. You know, so that's the, that's kind of like the the fundamental transformation that can you survive this thing is life going to kill you? Or are you going to survive? Are you going to live? Or are you going to die? You know? And then it, it kind of makes like moving kind of easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> moving. You know I mean? yeah. 
Yeah, you know, even though even though moving is gnarly, moving is not easy, you know. But but it's funny because when I work with clients, it's just kind of like in the back of my head. I'm always thinking about what what I've been through. You know, I've been through this, so therefore you can you can get through this because I've been through that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I would love to get your thoughts on the the idea that people need to be in touch with their pain. I don't know if you've ever experienced this yourself or with clients, but sometimes it's just like people are so used to the the pain that they that they have that it just tur- they get numb to it and they don't realize like actually this feeling of six out of ten pain is really like a twelve out of ten pain. And if they actually embodied it and integrated it, they'd realize, oh my god, this is too painful. I got to make a change. Like, what what would you have to say about that from your experiences? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people do everything they can to avoid experiencing feelings, mm. you know, so that's like what drugs and alcohol are all about. Drugs and alcohol are like, and there are a lot of people, particularly from Chicago, who are like, <laughs> they're like two thirds alcoholics or like half alcoholics. You know what I mean? Like they drink kind of a lot, but not to the point where like they need to go to rehab, but they right. they still have jobs, but they still are liable to drink eight beers a couple times a week. You know, there's like that level of alcoholism. And then there's like the wino level of alcoholism, which is kind of where I was at. But, um, but very often what's going on there is a person has feelings. They don't want to experience those feelings. And so they distract themselves with the feelings with, I mean, it could be anything like drugs and alcohol are one, but now we just got the internet and phones and EMFs. And news, you know, news is a huge one that just distracts people from sitting and experiencing their feelings. And, and when you take the, when you take the, the thing that the person is distracting themselves with away, they're left with themselves. You know, that's what the power of meditation, because meditation is about just being, it's just being with you. You're just being with yourself. You're no longer reserving the right to run away, you know? Yeah. Like you can't avoid, you can't avoid yourself anymore. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why I, I think spiritual for me, spirituality, like, I mean, I'm, I'm a fucking, I was an angry person. I grew up as an angry child. Like, I'm not sure what made me angry. Like a lot of therapy has helped me to get to the root of it. Why I was so angry. And you know, I'm still prone to have a little hissy fit here and there from driving or whatever. But part of my spirituality is in sitting and experiencing that anger without labeling it, judging it, or trying to pretend it's something is it, trying to pretend it isn't something that it is, right? Or isn't something, am I wording it right? But like denying that it's there is not going to get me anywhere. Mm-hmm. So if I get ticked off, like I have, I certainly have a choice not to flip off the driver that just cut me off or roll down my window and say something stupid or punch my hand against something. I certainly have that choice, but the anger itself, it's just there. There's nothing I can really do about the fact that it's shown up in my consciousness. Right. You know? And so very often lately, what I've been doing is when I get angry is I just sit and experience the anger, just feel it. And it kind of takes on a life of its own. You know, it'll take, if you just drop the label, this is anger and just experience it in your own consciousness, it's your relationship to it is going to shift. And what happens though, is people get a feeling, they don't know what to do with the feeling and they say, okay, distract me, you know, 
there's a difference between expressing, you know, when if if you if you're angry and you put your whole hand through a wall, that's expressing anger. It's not experiencing. That's that that's not experiencing anger. You know, to to experience the anger takes a lot more. Expressing it's very easy. I want to, I want to, because you talked, you talked about spirituality, but I want to continue on this, on this, because I think it's so important when we feel anger or sadness, it's always deemed as like a negative type of emotion. And it's one that right. needs to be fixed. Okay. What do I do? How do I fix this? How do I change this feeling? How do I switch this feeling of sadness and pain into bliss and happiness versus you talking about just experience it. Right. Like not expressing it, not distracting from it, but just experiencing it. I think that's such a huge point to make. Yeah, there's there's a book. Um, it's if, in my opinion, it's if if there's a like a one single spiritual self help book for everyone to read. It's called Letting Go: The Pathway to Surrender by David Doctor David Hawkins. Hmm. And there's a chapter. I think chapter two or chapter three is called The Anatomy of Emotions. And he says that one one feeling. Like, let's say you have a feeling uh, of sadness. It can be responsible for thousands, if not millions of thoughts. So it's the feeling that generates the thoughts, right? And what happens is we have feelings, then we have crazy thoughts, and then we go do crazy things, and we forget about the feeling or we become completely dissociated from the feeling itself. And when, when you're able to stop and just experience the feeling, the suffering associated with that feeling goes away because suffering is really just an attachment, you know, because if I just experience this feeling and then I make it, I label it and I call it depression. Now I'm this depressed person. Now I've got an attachment to something that just exists inside consciousness. Hmm. And so he makes the, I mean, this is what I did. I caught a girl cheating on me a few years ago. I don't know, three, four years ago. I, I hadn't been dating her that long, but it hurt bad enough. You know what I mean? And I've at this point, I'm sober, I think, seven, six, at least six years, maybe seven, right? So going out and drinking my blues away is not an option. It's not even something I would ever consider. And so I would just go and sit. I went up to my room. I, I caught her red-handed at the street, and I just oh. went up to her. And I said, yeah, I know. I just went up to her. It was so funny. I went up to her, and I just said, don't call me again. And that was it with the dude right there. And I just walked away. And I went home, and I got a cigarette from my neighbor, and I smoked a cigarette. And then I just went into my room and I sat with the feeling. I just sat and experienced it. And then it, and then I dropped the girl. And so now I'm just got, it's not about the girl cheated on me, which is the attachment, which is the suffering. It's just, I have an experience of consciousness. And if you sit there, I would notice it would take anywhere between like seven and eight minutes of nothing more than experiencing the feeling and all of a sudden, in literally an instant, the feeling would become substantially less. It would just go away. It wouldn't go away, but it would just reduce. It sounds like, be like completion. Yeah, no, to totally. It's, like it's, It sounds yeah, like right. being complete with the experience that you're having as opposed to yes. diverting it in, in somewhere else. It's like... Maybe it maybe it's like clouds in the sky. The clouds are there, but they're just constantly moving. But when we try to fix it, we try to change the cloud. That then we just create this unnecessary suffering for ourselves because we're trying to control something that is just it's gonna, it's bound to move through us anyways if we just let it be fully heard or seen or or acknowledged. 
Right, and that's why you'll eventually get over the thing that broke your heart because in snippets, you will experience the feeling over and over again. But when you get really intentional about it, you can just bang it out like in a weekend or something. It's crazy, <laughs> you know, just bang out. And that's what he says to do that with death, you know. And somebody, when somebody dies, like the challenge is to sit and experience the feelings. Oh, and, and, you know, in the case of this girl, like, what people do in relationships, relationship ends, they jump on Tinder, they distract themselves with sex and lust and new relationships, and they never feel the thing that's driving them, right, to go to distract themselves from what they're, they're feeling, and that's what leads to suffering, you know? So all of a sudden, six, ten, ten, Tinder dates later, I've got an STD because I didn't sit and experience the feelings, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, and I didn't need it. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you tell us what your... Um, maybe I, I hate to say it, but definition of spirituality, or what would you what what would you say about spirituality? Because I think that's an elusive term for some people, and for some people that might have them want to stop listening. I know, yeah, I know. Man. If this was me a couple of years ago, I would be like, spirituality? Oh, shut up, man! Like, I don't even want to hear this. So, dude, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, I believe in something greater than myself, and I call that God, right? Like, that's my shit. I don't care if you believe it. I'm not going to try to make you believe it. I've got no, I got, there's nothing in for me and you believing it. You know what I mean? I'm not like one of those people that's like that. One of those religious people, you know, but you know, I think you and I talked about it when you, I interviewed you for my podcast last week. And it, it really, I think it comes down to responsibility. It comes down to like, we have an experience of consciousness and in that experience, things are going to come up and we can behave one way or we can behave another way, right? And if we're going to behave a way that serves us and or we're not, and opportunities are going to show up that are going to say, hey, you can take the lower, the lower route on this or you can take the higher one. And that's all temptation is. Temptation is like, hey, you want some more of this shit that's been going on the same way for a long time? And... And in choosing in the face of that temptation, like let's say it's, um, you know, let's say going to the bar after work, it's, it's, that's temptation, right? You actually have a choice, right, to not go to the bar and go home and hang out with your family, you know? And if you can't do that, then maybe you need to call a group of people that can help you not do that, and that's fine, but that's going to support your evolution. So for me, it's, it's spirituality, really. It's about choices, and it's about presence. Um, like I interviewed, I interviewed a, um, the bass player, one of my favorite bands, Teenage Bottle Rocket, for my podcast a few couple months ago. Awesome. And he wrote a yeah, it's a great interview. And he's this he's a yoga teacher and he's a total punk rocker. And they're they're one of my favorite bands ever. And their show is just rock. Um, and they, their fans are so loyal. And he was just saying, like, what, he, he wrote a book called I Want to Be Well. It just came out, actually. It's, um, his name is Miguel Chen, and the book is called I Want to Be Well. And it's like spirituality for punk rockers who aren't spiritual. And he's like, if you want to try something spiritual, he's like, just sit down in your room and turn off the lights and put a piece of music on in your headphones and do nothing but experience that music. You know, just experience an entire song all the way through with no distractions at all and have that be the only thing that you do. And that's spirituality, wow. like just that level of presence. 
you know? So it's like such a multi-faceted word. I mean, I don't even right. really know how to define it. You know, like for people that don't want to be spiritual, do that. You know, don't not punching the person when you want to punch him is spiritual. You know, <laughs> I guess because you have a choice and you're and you're well, present. Yeah, like, you're present with the fact that you have a choice in how to react to right. a situation. Like if you're used to That's flipping people off and you're in traffic all the time, and then one day you go, "I don't have to do that," and then you don't do that. That's spiritual growth. Whether you want it to be or not, like it, it actually is. You know, it's without... almost like just—it's almost like being an actual uh, conscious, a conscious being, as opposed to the mechanism, right. yeah. like the robot. The right. robot is based on all my past stuff. My automatic reaction is flip this person off. Right. right? Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, oh, you know, once... that's a robotic reaction. To, like I can choose. Like I have free will. Right. Well, and that's what we do as coaches is we create awareness around the way people are doing or being, or the way people are being in things. Like, yeah. hey, you notice that you flip off that guy? You notice you flick people off in the car all the time, you know, when you're driving? And you go, <laughs> oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. Well, do you realize you have a choice there? Well, I guess I do. Okay, can I hold you accountable to not flick three people off this week? Great. And then they come back to you and they say, I didn't flick three people off this week. I feel so much better. Well, what's five. better? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's when you do the virtual high five through yeah. the phone, right? So that's you know, yeah, I think you're right. It's about oh, it's it's about what'd you say, Con- being conscious. Yeah, yeah. What what kind of themes have you been seeing with uh, your your clientele recently? Because I find that in my practice, for some reason, people are all on a very similar wavelength. That's almost like within right. a, a span of one or two weeks. 60 to 80% of my clients might be going something, going through something very, very similar. Right. Yeah, you're right. Do you ever see that? Yeah, it always happens in patterns. It's interesting. Um, Yeah, a lot of my people, uh, there's a lot of childhood dysfunction stuff that's showing up um, where people haven't really taken responsibility for, um, I don't want to go so far as to say trauma, but stuff that happened in childhood that really impacted them way more than they realized. Mm. And so a lot of my clients are, um, it's like, you know, I'm recommending therapy and, you know, various 12 step programs um, for them to really address really deeper core issues that they, they could actually not address them and go on and create and make more money and get new jobs and get promotions and get the things that they want to get, create the relationships um, but we're, I just sort of, we're just sort of ending up there, you know, like I noticed that you talk about your mother in a certain way. What's up with that? Well, she, you know, it sounds like you're still angry at her. Yeah, I think I am. And then it's like, okay, well, do you want me to support you in, in moving beyond that? And, you know, as coaches, we can only get so deep. It's like, I can't talk to someone's inner child. I'm yes. not equipped to do it. And it would be unethical and unprofessional to even try to get there, but you can hold them accountable to getting therapy or finding a support group that addresses that sort of thing so that they can really heal the past based wounds so that they can move forward and create from an even more effortless place. That's kind of where I'm noticing my clients lately are at. Yeah. That's huge. And that's because I've been doing my own deep work. It's where the deeper your work, the deeper your clients work, the more self-awareness you have around yourself, the more, awareness you could help them create around them you know what are some things that you have going on in your life that enables you to be 
clear and present and in service to your to your clients? Um, well, I mean, I work shit, man. I I work two different twelve step programs. I'll keep them anonymous so as to respect them, but um, one is like the major one, and then another one is like a a less a much less known one. But those are that's some of the most powerful spiritual work that I think ever has existed is the 12 step movement, 12 step, whatever it's free. doesn't cost a penny Yeah, and, and it works. And then um, and what's the benefit to that for people who are listening, for people who uh, might not understand what, what it entails. Cause I don't think anyone realizes that there's a 12 step for almost anything. Yeah. It's um the 12 steps are essentially, it's essentially a very grueling and treacherous spiritual path. Um, I, I tell everybody, I don't, I have yet to find, I challenge anyone to find a more, uh, more challenging, more transformative spiritual path in the history of the entire planet. Um, you could maybe wow. argue that Buddhism could do may there might be some aspects of Buddhism and, um, but I have, I, that's, a, I have a working knowledge of almost all, like basically all the major religions, sort of enough of a working knowledge. I can tell you more or less what they're all about and the spirituality behind them. But I, the thing about the 12 step programs is that they're, they're, uh, they're miracle machines. I mean, they just, they'll, they'll save somebody, they'll save a crackhead from the gutter in three to six months and get them a job and get them back on their feet and get them living a life they couldn't imagine. And literally, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking, I've seen people's lives transform from a gutter dwelling alcoholic crackhead wino to an upstanding citizen in two to nine months. I've seen it uh, many, many, many times, you know, that's like a practical machine. Yeah. Practical mural make and not flashy. You don't need any special beads and you're not going (laughs) to sit in the home position. You're not going to be chanting to whomever, you know, it's just, you can't spot those people walking down the street. There's no spiritual identity associated with it. But, um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, that's one of one. my foundations. And, and I, I do that because I choose to, because I want to, not because I need to anymore. In the beginning, I needed to. Now it's just, it's to just continue. a group of people I like to be in a conversation with, you know, Beautiful. about how to be a good human. And then um, the last two months, it's been Kundalini yoga. Um, that's really, that's my new thing. I, I've been doing Kundalini yoga like a crazy person. So some people <laughs> might not know it, what Kundalini yoga is. Can you share? Yeah, and I don't even know if I know what it is yet, but it's like it's not traditional yoga. It's not downward facing dog. No, it's not. It's not uh, Bikram yoga. It's not. Um, it's strenuous in a completely different way, but it's really breathing focused, and it's it's a technology uh, um, for addressing basically anything. You can be like. Um, I'm getting headaches and you just look up headache Kriya and that will, they'll give you a little routine to run through to get rid of headaches or whatever, but you have to work at it. You know, so it's very difficult to explain what it is. I mean, it's to an outside. I mean, we call it, they call it Kundalini. You know, it's kind of like, Kundalini. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It's kind of like the crazy yoga. I never thought I'd be wearing a white turban style hat and wearing <laughs> Wearing these white pants and this white shirt, you know oh, what I mean? Singing all I know, it's hilarious. But that's also part of shoring up the foundation that is me that allows me to show up for the people that I work with, you know? 
Well, I found when I did, uh, I did. I've done a couple. Too, I've done a couple of. We'll talk about that. We've done, I've done a couple of classes, Kundalini, and have just got a rad buzz from it. Oh yeah, because of I think it was because of the breathing. Um, mm. But yeah, it was just it was a completely different experience. Not like doing any asanas, but uh, almost everything right. had to do with warming the body, getting the body moving, just so you can just get into the breath. Yeah, it's all about the breath. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And it starts out like it, I mean, it really does get you high. This breathing yeah. stuff gets you high as hell, but that's not really the point of it. The point is, um, it's, it's ultimately if we use the flipping the car off example, like it ultimately just gives you another way. It just gives you access to more choices in a different way. You know? So my teacher says the more we practice Kundalini yoga, the more possible it is for us to access it when we need it. So the more you do it, you get into a life situation where, I mean, just like simple life stuff, like you're in line at the grocery store and the person in front of you is taking too long because they're an idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and you just want to get angry because that's your default. That's your automatic. And you end up having, you end up seeing beyond the judgment that you have about them, that they're an idiot. And you realize they're just a human being and maybe they forgot their glasses and they can't see in their wallet. And so they can't find their credit card. And that's spirituality. You know what I mean? Like they're not an idiot. They're a person just like you're a person. Yeah. And you know, your default is to be like, you moron, hurry up. I need to get to wherever because I'm an important person. What? And, <laughs> and Kundalini just helps. It's just another tool in my tool about to help me access like universal, like universal compassion. Like, mm-hmm. You know, because like we're, we're, we, all have, we all have those moments. Like, you know, I don't know if yeah. you guys have advanced left turns. Sometimes I'm like, I'm that, I'm that guy at the front of the line and advanced left turn. I'm not even going yet. And people are honking at me. I'm like, Oh shit, that was me. <laughs> right. So right. we all have those moments. We all have those moments, just yeah. human moments. Absolutely. You know? and, um, and, tell, and how does that contribute to your, your coaching and being able to be there for others? Uh, it's just about, it's ultimately about presence. You know, I, I think it's ultimately about presence and the depths, the depth of awareness that you have with yourself is the depth of awareness that you not only can be with other people. So the more stuff, more of your own stuff that you can be with, the more of your own demons that you can heal, the more demons you can show people that they even have and invite them to heal. You know? So it's yeah. just like the work never ends. Like the thing I'm still struggling with is like, how do I get into a healthy relationship without fucking getting my heart broken or without doing that wacky shit that I do? And I'm in process around it. You know, I can honestly tell you I've got, I've solved the riddle. You know what I mean? But so, but the breakthrough will be when I'm like a, you know, like a soon to be married man like yourself, you know? And there's just like, we've all got like, everyone's got that one thing that's a little trickier than the other things. Right. You know, some people, it's, some people can create a relationship of their dreams overnight and, but they can't figure out money or they can't figure out time is another one. You know, I've got time to, I've always been really good with time, you know, but, and money, I'm definitely starting to have the money riddle solved and the relationship one is kind of in process, but you have to, the more awareness you have around your own processes and the more you're working towards your own breakthroughs, the more that that's like why Hans Phillips is such a great coach. Cause he's just able to be like, he's got a freaking story for every goddamn thing you've ever experienced <laughs> in your life about the same thing that happened to him and what he did to move beyond it. 
You know what I mean? That man has lived a lot of life, man. I, I know. It's so funny. I wonder if he's lying sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> what, just kidding, Hans. What, um, kind, what kind of uh, – before you, before you take off, because I want to be respectful yeah. of your time, what yeah. would you say are maybe two or three top recommendations that you have for people who are listening to this and, and maybe want to explore their own personal growth journey, the transformation, spirituality, just action items? Clear, ask, just ask yourself what you want. Like action item, make a list, what I want, and then just fill it out, you know, and then make, maybe simple. make another list, like what I don't want that I currently have. That I currently just have. Start, just start there or what I want to get rid of or something like that. I mean, just start super simple, super simple. Like there's a great question in the landmark form, you know, which is a, a personal development thing that's very profound and very inexpensive. And yes. The guy said, um, he said one day, what, what have you learned to live with? It's like, whoa, what have you learned to live with? Make a list of what you've learned to live with. Like to tolerate. Yeah, to tolerate. Like yeah. people, and everybody's got something, my weight or my shitty relationship or being single Ooh. or not having enough money or, you know what I mean? I've learned to live with like being broke, right? And that's just, you just, that would be another action item. Make a list of what you've learned to live with. So list you know. out what do I want, list out what I what do I not want, and then list out what have I learned to live live with. What have I learned to live with? Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Dave, what an so, honor. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks so, for having me. So glad I'm to glad have we you on. Move beyond the circumstances of the banging. Absolutely. Can you tell people where to find you? Yeah, you can just send me an email, Dave at D A V E K E H N A S T dot com. Um, or you can find me on Facebook. Um, there's also Keenest Coaching, K-E-H-N-A-S-T, Coaching. That's on Facebook. And then um, your podcasts. My podcasts on iTunes, Addiction and Redemption is one of them. And the second one is called Fascinating Talks. And you're the most recent interviewee, so they can find me out there there as well. I have a website. I just got a notification that it's been taken down because my credit card didn't update because I, I changed the credit card. So I have to get my website back up and running. But there that'll is. be up you know, soon enough. So Awesome, man. Guys, Thanks for having me. Tune into his episodes of his podcast. Such nitty gritty stories from like the gutter to the gutter. a nobleman. Amazing. Yes. Love it, man. Thank you, Oliver. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. You got it, man. Have a Enjoy great day. Enjoy your day. Yeah, you too. Bye, man. See you. Hey, guys. Oliver here. Before you take off, just want to give another huge thank you to Dave for coming on to the show. Make sure to go check out his website, DaveKeenist.com. His last name is spelled K E H. N-A-S-T. Make sure to book yourself a consultation with him and find out what is possible for you with him in your corner. I know I've had some incredible value from getting sessions from Dave, and I know you will too. Uh, you can find him and add him as a friend on Facebook. Just look for Dave Keenest, or you can like his fan page under Keenest Coaching. I definitely recommend you check out his podcast, Addiction and Redemption. He talks about his own journey, his own life stories of actually going from addiction to redemption. And you can also check out his interview show, which is called Fascinating Talks. Guys, it is such an honor to have you be with me on this journey. If you get value from this show, please make sure you send this to somebody that you care about, someone, someone you think would get value from these interviews and conversations. And if you feel inspired to do so, please fill out a five-star review on iTunes. We'll get some more visibility and be able to attract even more amazing guests for the show. And that is it. Thank you so much. See you next time.